This is Live Well Talk on Concussions. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Unity Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Concussions are a growing concern among parents of children and youth who play contact sports. Join us today as Unity Point Clinic pediatrician Luke Spellman to talk more about the signs and symptoms of a concussion and what to do if your child or loved one has a concussion. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's fall. It's football season. Uh, so we're going to talk about concussions. Uh, certainly the uh, whole uh, chronic traumatic uh, brain injury and uh, some of the publicity around that has escalated this uh, concern. Um, and so I'd like to you to tell me, what is a concussion? So I think one of the best uh, websites out there and best resources out there is the CDC. And I'm, I'm going to give you the direct uh, definition of a concussion from their website. Uh, a concussion is a type of traumatic brain injury or TBI uh, caused by a bump, blow, or jolt to the head or by a hit to the body uh, that causes uh, the head and brain to move rapid, rapidly back and forth. Um, this sudden movement can cause the brain to bounce uh, around or twist in the skull, creating chemical changes in the brain and sometimes stretching and damaging the brain cells. So it's basically um, a forceful hit that can be to the head, but also to the body that that causes abnormal movement of the brain relative to the skull and can affect the metabolism of the brain. Concussions, you know, we attribute to football uh, as the sport that has concussions, but tell us, are, are there other sports or activities of daily living that just might yield a concussion in a young person? Uh, definitely. So, you know, really any any sporting event can put you at risk for a concussion. Uh, in general, it's pretty much common sense. The, the more contact you have in it, in an activity, the more at increased risk you are for concussion. But uh, sporting events like uh, football, basketball, baseball, anything when you're where you're in a high movement activity type of sport uh, can put you at risk because you can hit your head in different ways and also you know have uh, some contact that occurs you know on purpose or not on purpose. I mean, you can't live in a bubble. You can't put your kid in a bubble. But uh, so I think some people gravitate towards soccer. One, it's increasing in popularity compared to football. Um, but it's not, it, it's, it, it, uh, if you will, an urban myth that it's a safe sport in that respect, right? I mean, they, there's still head injuries occur in soccer. Yeah, abs- absolutely. It's, it's uh, it, in a way, I consider, you know, soccer somewhat of a contact sport. Uh, so I, I've seen a fair amount of concussions in soccer and actually uh, recently saw um, a patient that sustained a concussion uh, when she ran accidentally ran into her goalie uh, in soccer a couple weeks ago. So, so it, it's it's just one of those things. It's you know uh, the, the 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 likelihood of a concussion uh, occurring in soccer is probably less, but you still have contact uh, because it's a high intensity sport. What what are the signs and symptoms of a concussion? Sure. So a really nice resource. Uh, to look at, and it's and it's available to anybody who has the internet. Um, if you if you Google the the um, SCAT S C A T five, that's the resource that uh, uh, we utilize acutely to to look at athletes that we're concerned and to to uh, to help us get an idea if they sustain a concussion. And really, it's a collection of symptoms, and then there's also some signs too to look for. Uh, if you depending what resource you use, uh, the SCAT five has twenty two symptoms that they look for. So it's a I can't I won't name them all here, but it's it's basically a collection of symptoms to help you focus in and look at an athlete uh, objectively to see if they have concussion. Uh, the most common one that we typically talk about is headache, but the the SCAT five also uh, lists some other types of uh, symptoms, including like pressure in the head, neck pain, sensitivity to light, blurring of vision, drowsiness. 
uh, and, and a whole array of other symptoms, fatigue, confusion, um, irritability, sadness. The, the number of symptoms you can get from a concussion is really, it really crosses a huge array of, <laughs> of um, different symptoms. And then when you're looking at signs and you're just objectively, you know, you're looking at a, a, an athlete or a child or adult that may have sustained a concussion, um, looking at it to see if they're the way I sort of put it is to see if they're really there or if they're able to focus, if they look really fatigued. So there's there's things you can look at and just appreciate when you physically look at the patient. And what described us, the, the because the, the reason to be so uh, vigilant about this on the, the sidelines, if you will, is because of the, the second impact syndrome. Can you tell us what that is? Sure. Essentially, uh, th- this is a, I would say, more of a a theory that has really become more of a concern that it does occur. And that's basically uh, once you sustain a concussion, uh, if you if your brain's not healed, you know, the metabol- metabolism of the brain uh, isn't back to normal. If you sustain a second concussion, um, there's a concern you can have a really debilitating um, uh, occurrence where where there, there, there is concerns that um, there's been some de- deaths caused. So ba- basically, it's it, it's a sustained secondhand injury when your brain's not uh, not healthy and it's not recovered. What if you have sustained a concussion, or you, you think your player has, or your child? When should they go um, to seek medical care? Sure. You know, I I think that's a really good question, and that can be sort of a difficult question. Um, with, if you have enough concern and you're worrying about it. The, the easiest answer is just get them looked at. If there's any sports-related concussion and it's an organized sport, you really are obligated to really now have have a medical professional uh, look at the patient and then uh, safely return to play after symptoms have resolved. Uh, if it's like, you know, there's a lot of little kids out there that you know, run around and bump their heads. You know, I, I think you can use a lot of common sense in this area. So, you know, if they cry right away, they return to their baseline, they're acting themselves after they bump their heads. I think it's safe to watch them. But really, a, a good general approach is if it's concern, you know, in a, in especially in a sporting event, uh, you know, high school level organized sporting event, you really should have them assessed. And uh, if there's something that happens at home and you have increased concern, something just doesn't feel right, you should have them looked at too. And and what it, I mean, is the assessment uh, not only a good history and physical exam, but does it always warrant uh, imaging of the brain, a, a CT scan? So especially in kids who I, I generally deal with and, and young athletes, uh, really the the push has been not not to jump to a CT CT scans quickly. Um, the, the idea behind that or the concern is the amount of radiation they're subjected to. So typically, it, it really depends patient to patient. And in most cases, uh, for a, a, a mild traumatic brain injury, most kids do not actually need a, a CT. The most important thing is close monitoring and watching for worsening symptoms. Is it true you shouldn't let them sleep afterwards? I kind of remember that from being sure. young. So, so really, that that was sort of an old wives' tale. Yeah, I'd yeah. say, uh, if you think about, you know, especially a, a, a three-year-old that hits their head, and whether or not they do or don't uh, sustain a concussion, trying to keep them awake all night might be the worst nightmare you could put yourself through. Typically, with uh, athletes, uh, like for, for example, like a high school football player that sustains a concussion, really, I think close monitoring is the key uh, to make yourself 
you know, feel more comfortable to, to give some reassurance. Sometimes I talk to parents about just checking in periodically on them if they go to bed and then making sure they're, you know, appropriately responsive. But the, the old wives tale of waking uh, kids up, uh, is actually probably uh, contradictory to what they need. Uh, they actually need to rest after they have these. So I, I, I talk to parents about just periodically checking on them, but if they're comf- comfortably resting, they're appropriately re- responsive, I think they can go to bed. <laughs> but correct me if I'm wrong, it's, but it's not total rest. You don't uh, put them in hibernation. You have, to get, you have to kind of gradually return to return right. to play or return to stimulation, correct? Right. So ac- acutely, like say after a concussion or, you know, what falls into mild traumatic brain injury. Uh, usually within the 24 to 48 hours, uh, you know, they're typically recommendations to take it really easy to shut things down. Uh, the newer recommendations coming out are, are you know, are looking at um, trying to get kids moving a little more reasonably, getting them up and getting getting sort of the body and everything working a little bit. But the the actual return to play after their symptoms are down, the actual return to play is really should be a calculated gradual return to play and safe return to play. Um, usually, if they're highly symptomatic, the, the rest period generally, their amount of symptoms generally dic- dictates their rest the period. The rest period. But you, you definitely, if looking at the newer guidelines, you want, you want to get them up and moving a little bit so they can... So they can get back to their normal sort of um, life. <laughs> so if, as a parent, if uh, my student athlete or child uh, sustains a concussion, whether it's an athletic competition or just plain horsing around, and when should I be worried about the post-concussion syndrome? Uh, I mean, at three or four weeks, should I be concerned? What, what amount of time does it take to recover from a concussion? And, and when should I say, I really need to call Dr. Spellman? So usually a, an athlete or a non-athlete, a, a, a patient that sustained a concussion, typically they are seen by a professional and they're being monitored. If they if they come to me, they basically are having daily or every other day symptom scores and we're monitoring for that. Really the, uh, the return to normal activity and then the return to play v- varies greatly on concussions. And it really is person to person. Within most cases, I, a lot of kids are back within a couple of weeks fully back. Um, but it really depends patient to patient. When you when you run into something like post-concussion concussion syndrome, those are usually, in my experience, um, like with athletes, uh, kids are out three to four weeks and are mentally, uh, have mentally rested, physically rested, and are still highly symptomatic. So post-concussion syndrome, you know, it, it, it isn't a common um, occurrence, but, but typically, where I start to get worried about that is multiple weeks out where they're doing the right things, they're following the right uh, recommendations, and they're still really symptomatic. Now, I know uh, my daughters and the the football, the college football program I'm affiliated with, we have uh, software impact testing that determines a baseline, and then you retest with the software prior to returning to play, uh, more as a reassurance. Uh, it, it, has that influenced the way you practice this, this the software and, and how, how, how does that, uh, does that help guide? Uh, I'm sure it's like a lot of things in medicine. It's not, there's just not one holy grail of a test that you can order that tells you everything's okay. It's always a clinical judgment, but what's been your experience with that software? Sure. You know, th- there's no one tool out there that you know, is like you said, the holy grail. But what what's nice about you know impact and some of the other neurocognitive tests, um, computerized tests, is they they do they add a piece to the puzzle and they they add sort of another checkbox to make sure that that component 
you know, they're, they're meeting their expectations, their, their scoring on that is appropriate before you, you really start advancing back. So they're, again, they're, they're not the only tool we use, but they, they really capture um, a component of management that we just can't see with our eyes. You know, we, we, we know we can ask their symptoms you know, we can do an exam, we can we can balance test them in various ways, but the neurocognitive component is just another tool, just like you said, that 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 is really, really helpful. Uh, the, the best situation is to have a pre-test uh, like an impact before at baseline and then have one to compare to, uh, but there are some standards that we can utilize if they don't have a pre-impact test before the concussion. I know this is a tough question, but this is a question I know you've been asked. At what point do you say, okay, that's enough concussions, no no more competitive high risk for head injury athletics? That is a tough question, and I've, I've been asked that a few times. Uh, I don't think there's an, a number. I think it's a specific number. I think it's really relative to age. I think it's relative. There's a few different factors I look at. I look at age. I look at severity of concussion, and I do I do look at number in conjunction with those. Uh, you know, really, when you get to that point, that's a sit down discussion with the parents and the athlete. And really, at that point, if we're talking about that, there's typically a team approach to that. There's a neuropsychologist involved. There's potentially a neurologist involved. Um, you know, and it really depends. Uh, you know, really on like a lot of these uh, the the specific situation because. Some people make that decision a little earlier than others, but you know I've had kids that have had two or three concussions have have done fine, but I've had I've had families that have decided after the second third concussion that you know this isn't just the right sport. And really, where I've seen a trend is I think people are making good decisions for their individual situations. So it's it's not a perfect answer, but I'd say it's it's situation by situation and it's multifactorial when you make that decision. Yeah, I bet it is a tough decision. Uh, particularly the pressure that's put on uh, young athletes to, to perform these days. You know, it is a uh, much more competitive than it ever was uh, that to, to return to play and not to miss the action. It's always tough, particularly with the high school football season. It's a short season. Uh, so you say, well, you got to be out for four weeks, whether it's a concussion or any other injury. Well, that's half the season. You know, and the kid, I've, I've found that sometimes our patients, the athlete, tend to minimize symptoms to avoid being taken out of. And that's just not the right thing to do, is it? They should be. Yeah, uh, I, I've always usually part of the discussion, if I, especially if I don't think a, you know, a young athlete is being honest, I, I, I spend part of my time talking uh, specifically about we really have to be honest about this. And I try to, I try to talk to them about long term, you know, especially adolescents, they, you know, they don't. They don't think, kids don't think long-term on anything. So part of the discussion I think it's important to talk about is being honest and thinking long-term. Say two or three years down the road, you know, we want your brain functionally functionally normal. We want you to be doing okay with school. We want you to be enjoying physical activities that you enjoy. So it, it really is important, especially if you have that gut feeling that they're not quite being honest with you. But, you know, I would say that the education is really getting out there because I think coaches are doing a lot better job. The trainers are doing great. And I think parents are really making an effort to get educated on concussions. So that's been really helpful. And that's that's made, I think, a lot of healthcare professionals' jobs a little easier. And it's been a, a lot easier to talk to parents and, and, and have a good relationship to talk about concussions. And I think they, I think uh, the athlete tends to minimize symptoms sometimes. I've had experiences when 
being the team physician on the sideline, that they'll tell me that, no, I, I didn't lose consciousness. And then you look at the replay and their body's totally limp. Yeah. I mean, they, they totally lost consciousness. But the, I don't think they're lying to you. I think they really believe they didn't. Uh, and uh, so that's why it is a team sport, football. It's also a team sport to support each other. Yeah. What about chronic uh, brain injury. I know you, you take care of young people, but uh, what are your thoughts on the the, the NFL, the, the whole uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy? What, what are your thoughts? So I think, um, you know, I, I, I'm not an expert in it, but I think, you know, the NFL finally made a decision to own this up and to take, you know, really the way, the way I see things, you know, when you see a big uh, evolution of things. Usually it starts from the top and trickles down the bottom. So um, looking at college sports, NFL, when they really started taking this stuff seriously, it really helped younger athletes too. Because, you know, younger athletes, that's who they look up to. That's who they want to be. I think what they're doing now, I think they're making, you know, good steps uh, and I and I think it's a, a really serious topic that they're they're really going to have to study and they're going to have to watch close because it's you know that there there is a connection there and I think it's it's going to really change prob- hopefully in a good way the way that um, athletes uh, participate especially like in the NFL and I, I think it's I think you'll see too I think you'll see. Uh, you probably won't see as long of careers anymore. Um, I think athletes are getting a lot more educated too, and they're making good decisions. Yeah, I, you know, I, Steve Young, uh, the quarterback for the 49ers, yeah. you know, he had that one concussion followed by another one and then retired. And he, that's prophetic because it, he was ahead of his time. You know, and he, he was kind of criticized at the time of not being tough enough to play in the NFL, et cetera. And now looking back, he probably made the right decision for the right reasons. Yeah. Well, this is great information. Uh, it's always fun to have Dr. Spellman here and talk sports and, and uh, injuries related as such, although we pray that our athletes don't have injuries. We, we, we hope Dr. Spellman has no business during the football season and he can just uh, sit around and, and uh, take care of uh, routine things. Again, this is Dr. Luke Spellman, a pediatrician at UniPoint Clinic Pediatrics. If you have a topic you'd like to suggest for our Live Well Talk On podcast, shoot us an email at stlukescr at unipoint.org. And we encourage you to tell your family, friends, neighbors about our podcast. Until next time, be well.